Welcome back to not another Bitcoin podcast. I know more people pontificating about Bitcoin talking heads. The last thing you need, but here we are, the talking heads, and we're here to talk about whatever whatever we feel like. And just before this off the call, uh, we were riffing about Bob, Bob is is uh, missing out on the threads. The people need the threads. But Bob is doing other things. He has more important tasks. He doesn't want to be a subpar tweeter. He wants to be a above average builder, potentially. I don't know. <laughs> where where, called, where do we pick up ordinal ordinals? Trilemma. It's the ordinals trilemma. That's right. You can't be a full time content creator, uh, degen and builder. It's they they are there are trade offs. Bob. It seems what? like it. Yeah. it. It seems like it only opens up to once you're on Twitter. Because if you're off Twitter, you're just like. Bitcoin is still producing blocks somehow. Builders are still building, but you're like absolved of all the you know discussions and debates and argumentation. And somehow it probably feels a lot more freer just like deleting Twitter and still letting Bitcoin do its thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depending on who you're trying to target, you know, if you're trying to target the Ordinals community, I mean, you got to live on Twitter because that's where your audience is. Uh, but it is, yeah, like like you were saying, very challenging to be top tier content creator and you know in the nitty-gritty of building innovative technical things on bitcoin while simultaneously being a dgen like living the life of a true dgen being on 24 7 being in all the alpha groups being you know the first one to mint the the atomical slash tap slash brc 100 slash whatever tokens like you have to be on and these ideas don't don't really mesh and so you're just floundering you know floundering doing as good as you can across the board is kind of the it's kind of the, the solution i guess i think you do it great bob and you too jake i mean the podcast investor due diligence r&d man i consider jake a must follow going into 2024 i actually put jake i put you on my bitcoin season two list as one of as one of as I was thinking, who are the people who are gonna define like the next year or two in Bitcoin, which we might call the next season? Certainly, Jake. So, um, yeah, I yeah, love to love to see what you're looking at. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's funny if you could track like alpha being dropped and like podcasts being released. When you sent that tweet, that was like the pinnacle. I've been downhill since then. Ah. I got to get back. I got to get back on the train, uh, which I have. I recorded two really interesting podcast interviews yesterday, um, which one on ZK rollups coming to Bitcoin and utilizing BitBM as a peg-in process. We could talk about that, although I can't go into too much detail. We should. We should talk about that. But I think that's super interesting. Um, I'm also, I think I was pretty bearish, should you comment on this, Bob, about like EVM chains on Bitcoin and versus like UTXOs and script. Um, I think I'm more neutral now, or at least I'm, I'm, I'm almost b pretty bullish on EVM chains now. Um, so yeah, we can discuss that too. I also talked to um, the founder of Bolts, which is like a exchange on Liquid slash Lightning slash L1 that does atomic swaps across chain. And this, he, he told me about this really interesting thing that he's built where you can do non-custodial no authentication APIs so you can send through this API like transactions through your wallet and the validation happens on the client side which I think is pretty interesting then like 
is kind of bleeding edge. Um, so I don't know. We could open those topics now if you want to, or we could talk about cats. Like we can go wherever we want to go. I'm pretty open. Uh, you guys have any? We should. You guys have any? Yeah, I mean, if it, I I think we should do BVM plus the bridging and rollups that that we can get with BVM, and then um, there's a chance uh, we can we can chat about this too. But there's a, a little wrinkle on on the rollup side where it might actually be possible to verify a zk proof on Bitcoin right now. Whoa, Boom. this is the first time I've heard that. I want to hear. Let's let pin that. Pin yes, pin it. In the blog, pin it. And we'll let it confirm later on in yep. the show. Interesting, um, interesting. So should we start with, with BitVM then? Because I, yeah. uh, I guess I'll delete what I can. And I think the interesting thing here for the peg-in is that the way you can construct the circuits, you can make it, so this is like a newer term, is hash, is um, honest minority. is a term we're going to hear a lot going forward. So up until this point, bridging has been either a federation, which is a glorified multi-sig yep. with either individuals or entities, or economically balanced. So like I lock up Bitcoin and there's more collateral than the Bitcoin typically somewhere on that bridge that can be slashed if they do some bad actions. So this is like what Interlay does with their like over collateralized bridge. That's like the standard right now, unless you want to go full custodial and just like trust a, a company. So with BitVM, what you can do is as long as one person is being honest because of the cryptographic proofs, then they can prove that something is true and then everyone else can get potentially slashed. And so what that does, is if you have like 20 people, if 19 are dishonest, but one has that cryptographic proof, you can slash everyone else. And what that does is it makes the economic need, how much cloud you got to put up, significantly lower, which makes the bridge way, way, way more efficient. And you have these these small collateral and and uh, cryptographic proof that goes together that uh, it's pretty damn, like it's, it feels like it's like a 10x improvement compared to what we currently have. Um, Again, this is like what I've heard. It's, I guess it's kind yep. of theory right now. Um, nothing is live as it stands, but yeah, it sounds like you you kind of have seen this as well, Bob. Yeah, I would just say you did a good job. That's that's essentially what it is. I would say it's not really just theory anymore. Like I think we have practical implementations coming imminently with a BitVM trust minimized bridge, where you just have to trust one verifier out of many. Um, there are some wrinkles in terms of how usable a bridge like this is. Uh, what, what I mean is in the worst possible scenario where you have a malicious attacker that's actually trying to steal funds um, and they're willing to deplete their entire uh, deposit, you could have this back and forth that would take six months uh, to resolve and would end up with about like 160 kilobytes of on-chain data, um, which is probably, what is 160 kilobytes divided by 4, 40 times your sats per VB, maybe 40, so like 1600 like $1,500 in Bitcoin fees. Um, this is worst case in, in, in the case where you have someone intentionally trying to steal funds from this bridge. In the best case, on-chain footprint is very minimal, uh, because everyone, it's it's kind of like an optimistic roll-up where if as long as everything is going correctly, then it just works. Um, but there is that, you know, uh, 
the annoying uh it's basically this uh proof verification you know challenge response model that happens between the prover and the verifiers uh, which is why you trust a single verifier because you need someone to challenge in the event that you have someone doing something malicious yep and is I'm curious, this is something I learned yesterday, but I'm not sure. BitVM is N of N, meaning that every person in that multisig has to sign to confirm something. So one, I guess, is that true? And then two, do you know, like, if someone is a bad actor, do they fall out of that N count? I think it's when you go into, when you go into the BitVM, uh, you, it's, an, it's an N of N. Um, but coming out, I don't believe it's N of N because you only need one. Um, you're only trusting one of many. So I, I, I don't think it's N of N to exit. I think it's just to enter. Got it. Uh, but like, yes, soft, soft asterisk here on, on my comments because it's, it gets, uh, pretty complicated pretty quickly. Charlie Dine, did that, are you guys totally lost, or did you guys get that at all? I follow, I, uh, <laughs> I follow this, but I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I, I couldn't teach it. Um, I find this really interesting. I, I do have this kind of question. I do kind of wonder, because a lot of these folks were working on rollups prior to BitVM white paper being launched, and I think they were sitting here wondering, so how do we actually solve these, the, the, the Pegan system, or the resolution? And here, long, here comes BitVM at the perfect time. It it serves up like here is the solution. Here are the tools to actually do this, uh, and that kind of blows my mind. You gotta wonder if it's connected or if it just is kind of uh, synchronicity. Well, isn't well, it, it, yeah, isn't, isn't Robin who's like the his team is behind the BitVM? They do zero sync, so they've been working on yeah. pull-ups before that so he's probably solving his own problem in a more generalized fashion yep. and then yep. they built a pretty good solution and it's again it's pretty damn good and, it, and i think what's cool is like it's it's relatively trust minimized so you can try out these bridges and then see okay all you have to do is swap out bit vm for an actual op code and everything else works basically the same which is like the perfect onboarding mechanism to like try this out and not have to fight about who's actually using covenants and all this other stuff because you could see it in the wild. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Charlie on this one. I couldn't teach it. Like, I couldn't give a class on this, but I'm, I sort of follow what's happening. The gray area for me is, like, as much of the technical details as I can understand, what's a real-world application? Like, what does it look like when this is used and what problems does it solve currently for Bitcoin? Like, specifically? Yeah, it's basically better Bitcoin bridging for sidechains for sovereign rollups uh it's so like what what chainway is doing with citria i believe is like a sovereign rollup with a uh light client uh so the sovereign rollup is a user verified rollup um rather than having you know the the layer one verify the validity proofs you have users running a light client and they just verify the proofs themselves uh a sovereign rollup is fantastic in that you get trustless transactions on bitcoin um, as long as you're not using Bitcoin in those transactions. So if I created the Bob token on a sovereign rollup, it would be a trustless token on top of Bitcoin because you don't have to trust anyone. Uh, all of those transactions are going to be packaged together, stored on Bitcoin, and there's going to be a proof. You can go verify the proof and you know everything you need to know about the Bob token. 
But the minute you want to exchange Bob token for Bitcoin, you now have a trusted bridging setup because you can't have trustless bridging in a sovereign rollup, which is why BitVM is an interesting kind of, uh, it's, it's interesting to pair BitVM with a sovereign rollup because now you have trust minimized bridging. You're only trusting one verifier in this bridge instead of some kind of multi-sig or federated model. And so sovereign rollup plus BitVM is essentially what Citria is. Um, light clients, awesome rollup, trust minimized bridging. You know what's interesting? As far as I know. What, what's interesting to kind of like cons consider here um, is that, um, you know, I've, I'm on the Bitcoin side, so I, I rollups have been kind of an other chain thing for a long time. But as I look into it, I hear more commentary on it. It appears to me that uh, rollups on other chains are having a bit of what I call their lightning moment where uh, the kind of ebullience and optimism of rollups and other chains to scale those is is kind of losing a little bit of steam. And there's a bit of a, kind of a pulling back to, I think, reality here. We see this with Lightning right now. I'm more aware of it on Bitcoin because people, Lightning is kind of taken on its own narrative and now people are kind of rolling it back saying it's not this like one, it's got these issues and maybe we need to be more realistic about it. And it's interesting because I see a similar thing happening on the roll-up side on other chains. And now here we're looking at being able to do this on Bitcoin. Um, so I I wonder how that narrative will play out. I also say with the same breath, like sometimes you just kind of need to run it back with a with a kind of a different foundational, um, with, with different teams, some that uh, some different mechanics, and perhaps you can improve on these ideas. Um, a lot of how we got here is very path dependent. Like we could have done rollups a long time ago, but we never did. So maybe we can improve upon the rollup thesis and perhaps some of the what perceived disillusionment I see happening on other chains. Maybe that disillusionment turns, maybe we're in the trough of disillusionment now and we can begin that like whatever that actual period of uh, upwards in innovation. Yep. Do you, do you have any idea why there's like disillusionment, like the underlying gripes? I actually don't know a ton. I think it actually has to do probably with the trustless, uh, the trustless nature of it. I think maybe Bob, you could, I think it actually yeah. has to do with yeah, the sure. issue of like putting validity proofs on the other, on, on the base of these chains. So yeah, one of them is um, a lot of people talk about ZK rollups as a scaling solution. It's actually not really a scaling solution, uh, but you do get some scale benefits um, because of of the way it works. On on Ethereum, you're moving um, you're moving where you store data. Uh, so instead of having like smart contract data, you store it in the call data. And because you're storing in the call data, it's cheaper than it is to store within smart contracts on Ethereum. So that like levels up already rollups just because you're storing data in a better place. They're now working on something called proto dank sharding. This is, uh, uh, what is it? 4844, I think. Um, EIP 4844. And the idea is they're going to create temporary blob space on Ethereum where you can store your proof data and it only lives there for three to six months. And then it's gone forever. You have this like three month window to index all of the data and then it goes away. The benefit there is it's extra cheap 
So going from smart contract data to call data to, you know, this this temporary blob storage. And then there are other improvements down the line, like full dank sharding that, that, that they're working towards. So th this is all because the limiting factor to scaling rollups is the data that you have to put on chain. Because you have to put the data on chain, that means you're just restricting the scale that you can get. And so a lot of people are pushing really hard on this modularity thesis and saying, well, why don't we just, let's just not store data on Ethereum at all. And this is called a validium. And let's use something like Celestia, which is a purpose-built data availability layer. And let's put all the data there. And then let's put a proof on Ethereum still that we stored this data and that it's valid. So then you get even more scale. You've, you've increased your trust assumptions because now you're trusting that the data is stored somewhere. If that data were to go away, you would lose your coins. Uh, you would lose, you know, your your L2 tokens. And so you're adding, uh, it's basically a one of N trust assumption because you're trusting someone that has the data somewhere, but you get dramatically more scale. And so this is the direction that people are pushing for on the Ethereum side, because you still don't get enough scale with just a rollup storing all of the data on Ethereum. So they're trying to find cheaper places to store data. And I think we're going to see the same thing on Bitcoin. Like, sure, let's store data in the witness, and that's fine, but it's still kind of expensive. Um, I think based on some initial calculations I did, you get a 20x improvement in cost and a 20x improvement in throughput, just going from like a meta protocol on Bitcoin to a, um, a roll-up. Uh, that's partly because of transaction batching you could take, you know, 2000 transactions, put them all in the same transaction on Bitcoin. And so you don't have the overhead of every single transaction. Um, you also can encode the information in a more, uh, a more compressed way. So you can define how you compress the data. And so you get, I don't know, maybe another 2x there. So probably 20x is, is what you get going from, you know, meta protocol like ordinals or BRC20 to a rollup. And if you want to go beyond that, you have to either find cheaper places to store data on Bitcoin. Like maybe there's a X, some, some place to get an extra discount, you know, the, the temporary extra temporary witness data or something like that. Or you need to start thinking about using Celestia or some other data availability layer uh, and just putting the proofs on Bitcoin. So that's, that's probably one of the reasons why people are, a little bit disillusioned with rollups, but there are other te technical problems as well. That was an incredible explanation. I'm glad you stumbled into modular blockchain uh, concepts because yeah. that's like, I think that sets the stage really well going forward. Um, yeah, I I try to r limit the amount of like times I say data availability on Bitcoin because Bitcoin's not really that great at data availability, but it's like, uh, it's almost like we need to come up with a new term, which is like, like pristine data or kind of pristine block space for some yep. availability. I don't know what the term is, but like this is, I don't know, you know. Yeah, premium, 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 premium data availability. <laughs> yeah, preview. Yeah, that's, I think that's or, a good idea. You know the co how Costco does this super premium vanilla ice cream and it's yeah. like almost custard? <laughs> I think it's super premium. That's, that's what I've we're looking for. Super. Is it really worth it? It is. It is definitely <laughs> go and get some right now. Uh, they only sell vanilla. It's super premium. And if you look at the butterfat con content and, and the amount of like air that they pump in, it's like 
it's the greatest. It's almost custard. It's so it's so rich. Yeah. Nice. Super premium data availability on Bitcoin is like eating Costco, the Kirkland vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yes. Bob, you really know your ice cream. This is cracking me up. What doesn't he know? So I guess coming from a person who doesn't know much about much, I spent a lot of time looking into Ethereum roll-up solutions and like writing about them and interviewing people about them before Bitcoin became like my sole obsession. And like to to boil it down it sounds like it's the same problem. The more, the further away from it you get, further away from the main chain you get, in order to inherit scalability, you sort of lose whatever trust assumption, or I guess you inherit, you, you also add trust assumptions because every time you step further away to get a little bit more room, you now are further away. And that's just like an unsolvable problem thus far, something we haven't figured out. And the difference that I've noticed, <clears throat> and again, I'm not, I don't build these things, so I don't really know how to say it in like smart people terms, but the difference between a ZK rollup and an optimistic rollup, and the reason all these optimistic rollups came out before ZK rollups is because ZKs bear the burden of proof and storage in for the most part. And optimistic rollups put that burden on the main chain, correct? Is this kind of like a general boiled down view of how those two things work? Where optimistic's uh, easier to build because you just gather stuff and spit it at the chain, when ZK is a little bit more difficult because you have to roll it all up into like one single hash. And then it's like your responsibility as the L2 to prove that. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would say optimistic rollups assume everything is correct by default and you don't do any proofs until you want to challenge it. And then you say, here's a proof. I'm challenging this. This is wrong. And then you have to like figure out how you're going to roll back transactions based on that, that fraud proof. So it's, it's a fraud proof saying this was done incorrectly. Uh, validity proofs or like ZK rollups, you prove everything beforehand so it can never be incorrect. And so it's harder up front, but by the time it gets to Ethereum and, and you verify the proof, you know it's all correct. You don't have to rely on someone to come and, and you know, find this discrepancy and then challenge it. Um, so that's why ZK proofs are better than optimistic proofs is because you have that guarantee or you don't have to rely on someone to come and issue a fraud proof after the fact. And I might be mistaken in this assumption, but with an optimistic rollup, are you asking, and this is for Ethereum's case, are you asking Ethereum to store that data? And as far as a ZK rollup goes, are you storing in both it? Cases, as a you store, yeah, in, in both cases, you store all the data on, on the L1. So oh, cool. on Ethereum. Got it. I was trying to draw a parallel to what's going on here, like in, in modern Bitcoin times. And it sounds like we're having the same series of both problems trying to solve it. It's just it's the trilemma attacking us again, right? Like we haven't found a perfect solution for any of it. And this probably goes for like everything. Or if you want like a sturdy house, it's not going to be comfortable or something. You know what I mean? Like there, there's always a trade-off when you when you pull the, the pulley one way, the other side goes up. It's all about trade-offs. It's, it's trilemmas all the way down. It's <laughs> trilemmas, dilemmas, quad lemmas. It's a Merkle tree of, of lemmas. I don't know. So... <laughs> Life is a lemma. Yeah. Life gives you lemmas. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. It would also be a lot easier if we st if we just focused on payments like Bitcoin was supposed to be made for and not do all this other BS that <laughs> uh, adds 10x the complexity for no value, apparently. Jake's even Jake's even for payment. Like Laser-eyed Bitcoiner by actually learning <laughs> how it works. He's like, he's moving up and down. He's 100%, he's, bro. But that's the natural cycle of things. Like you, 
the more you look at Bitcoin, the more disillusioned you get and the more shinobi like you become. <laughs> but but you also gotta love you also gotta love it. Um yeah, I personally it just honestly depends on the year. Really, my stance towards Bitcoin. Do I become do I air more purist? Do I air more kind of techno optimist? I'm not really sure. Right. This particular year has been a one of techno optimism this past year. Going forwards, I think I'm probably a little bit in the middle. Yeah, I, if I like long enough time horizon, we all become Shinobi. <laughs> Just become jaded and angry and know everything. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get mad about progress being proposed, but I, I wouldn't mind if Bitcoin stayed exactly as, as it is and we just use it for sometimes storing like little like physical contracts like will, will and testament, pictures, cat JPEGs like we're going to talk about later. And it just stayed this like money that when you move it, it's kind of expensive and you're not supposed to move it all the time because you're not really supposed to buy coffee with it. Like that's not really the point of it. The point of it is long-term store of value. Like in, in my head, what I used to think Bitcoin was. And if we don't solve layer two problems and scalability problems, I mean, we have all the other, these other things that do that, or at least aiming to do that and seem a little bit more like temporary and able to be muffed up with all this extra stuff that like Bitcoin just maybe doesn't have to care about. I'm never going to be mad either way it goes. And I think if we can break Bitcoin by trying to build these things, then Bitcoin was never worth the ground it stood on to begin with. I think it is an unbreakable thing in so far as whatever we do to it, it's 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 either, it's either going to prove that it's as strong as we want it to be or it's not, right? Yeah. So like, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be a, and I don't want to use shit. I don't really know Shinobi, so I don't feel like throwing his <laughs> name under the bus, but like, I don't ever want to be a guy who's like arguing about what Bitcoin should be somewhere. I like to postulate about what it could be and then just see where it goes. That's that's like where my mindset is. I got to meet Shinobi in real life and I in really enjoyed uh, shooting the shit with him. So uh, he's a very pleasant, uh, pleasant with a big asterisk person in, you know, in person, really great to have a beer. One of those guys who like really great to have a beer with, you know, he's a sandwich, right? He's the sandwich guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's ace. He's one of the sandwiches and our, the fearless sandwich leader now has a cat profile picture, which, you know, we can get into later, but divide how cool. the turntables. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. quite, that's quite a fun, uh, evolution here is. Like Jeremy Rubin, right? Put a cat picture. The on. sandwich. The sand. The sand. The sandwich of sandwiches. And I don't know if you guys saw this. He's been actually. Uh, he's been. Um, he threw some PRs up on Ord. If you saw that. No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm actually not prepared to talk about it, so I probably shouldn't have brought it up. But that's. He's doing something with like he's integrating Sapio and Ordinals and some. Exactly. Like yeah. Sapio. Yeah. Sapio is his smart contract language to make it easier to work with Bitcoin script with his thing. Yeah. Um, also, just one, one final note on Shinobi. Uh, yeah, I love his takes. So it's like you have to like filter all the fucks and whatever in between to get to like the 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 good stuff. But I will say I invited him on to this little get together, and he was like, "I'm just gonna roast you guys for like an hour, and I don't think you guys want that." So this I, one today. Uh, no, what I, I said, come on a future one. He was like, I don't think you guys want to do that. And I'm like, we do, but he, uh, yeah, I think he's Shinobi. he's being Shinobi. sly and, and he's 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 being sly and, and using it as cover of acting like he's doing us a good favor. But he's he's scared. He's just scared. Ah, I'm calling him out. He he just uh, you know most people tend to be like reactionary about criticism. 
most people want to like be oppositional um but um, you know what are you gonna do when when we're just like okay yeah you got some really good points we'll we'll chew on that <laughs> and uh, yeah it's, no it's, it's the shinobi show yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh okay we can we can switch to cats for a second i want to do one one more like to close the loop on the evm stuff though um because i posted some tweets being very disparaging of account-based models and evm and like Looking at it from the perspective of like Rootstock, for example, where it's like they've had EVM for so long and no one uses it besides like two applications. Like you go there for Sovereign because Sovereign's such a great built app, but you don't go to Rootstock for any other reason for like the underlying chain. So I've been pretty bearish on like ETH builders coming to Bitcoin in mass because I haven't seen it. And I'm kind of still there when it comes to all these ZK rollups that have EVM virtual machines. I'm like, Okay, you fix the pegan process, but I'm not. It's not clear to me that people really have that much concern about the pegan process. Like, if they want DeFi on Bitcoin, they'll still, you know, deal with those trust assumptions and go to Liquid or go to to Rootstock. So I don't know. There's still an open question to me of like, if one of these chains that's EVM based gets you know five or six applications, kind of like hits a certain mass, I think you're going to see Ethereum really start to hurt, and like there'll be a tidal wave. Because once you get enough users and enough applications and then investors and that flywheel starts, it's like it's game over because the underlying asset of Bitcoin is so much better. But that to me is still the big TBD. I think it's going to be a bunch of rollups coming in the next 12 months, bunch of cool tech, bunch of trust minimized bridging, and it might still be a ghost town. Like, we'll see. That's that's one thing I'm really concerned about. I'm a believer uh, in the scenario you described, Jake, where... It is like whatever, like the app-driven, the user-driven thesis. Like the the tech is important, but it's not the thing that in the medium term drives user growth and value accrual. It is what do the users want? BRC20's case in point. You could be you can do fungible tokens on Bitcoin, have been able to. Um, there's far superior ways. Users, the market does not demand it. So when the market finally, you know, throws a bunch enough darts and enough of them kind of have critical mass onto whatever implementation is, maybe it is rootstock, who knows? But um, yeah, whatever kind of EVM connection thing here is, I'm I'm a believer. I don't know if you'd call it the fat app thesis, but it's like the app driven user user growth market thesis. Um, yeah. Yep, makes sense. Uh, quick poll of the room. For an EVM, like let's say there's a rollup that has a native token that's not Bitcoin versus does uses native Bitcoin. Like, are you guys using that chain or no? I use everything, um, whether it has a token or not. I have personal opinions about the token, but I'm, I, uh, I think, yeah. Uh, my opinion is generally against tokenizing things that aren't Bitcoin. But that doesn't affect whether I use it or not, or whether I bet on that token or chain. Mm. Donnie, Bob, Bob do you want to get your I want to get your opinions. You can go first, Donnie. I for I've, I've had a lot of conversations about like airdrop farming over the course of the last two years about the, the incentivization model that it provides, and I think that it can be good for adoption to make your own token because you can. And I don't know what this looks like for like securities law or like what the future of a company. What happens to a company when they engage in this kind of behavior? I don't know any of that. But if you have a token that you can 
pay people to mess around, like pay people to go to the playground for a year. And the concept gets adopted because we paid people to do that. It's a great marketing strategy and it can get people, like you said, if it's a ghost town after we build all this stuff, then what what was the point of any of it? But if it's not a ghost town because there are these secondary tokens that we may not really be passionate about, may not really be necessary, they might be necessary just to get people there. Um, So I'm always willing to play around with stuff like that not just for the airdrop reward, because like, it's fun to explore new spaces. Do I think almost any other token is actually necessary? Probably not outside of like mainnet tokens. I, I don't really get it. I remember like every time a new token comes out and someone's like, like Doge, and like how the, you can buy a Tesla in Doge. And like, you can also buy a Tesla in USD. Next, like next question, like wait, why would I want to buy Doge with USD just to buy a Tesla when I could just skip the transfer fee of going to one or like if, Amazon starts accepting Pepe token on Ethereum. Like you can just use Ethereum or better yet, you can just use the dollar because again, it's like two steps away. What, what problem is it solving? And I think it's solving the like crowdsourced quality assurance testing and marketing. Uh, from, from my perspective, I think I'm going to take the opposite uh, of your uh, stance, Jake. Uh, where I think EVM is a pretty solid decision for people that want to build because you've already so when with like alt L ones like think about Solana think about all 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 of the other alt L ones that aren't EVM based there is this initial infrastructure hurdle that you have to overcome as an ecosystem in order to thrive you have to build tooling. You have to build standards, DeFi standards, NFT standards, smart contracts. You have to build everything. And then you can finally have, you know, kind of parity with the EVM ecosystem. So if you look at Solana, Solana was lucky in that they had massive capital injections from like FTX and others that attracted, it basically pumped price, attracted builders. And they had all of this massive development that basically solved all of their new non-EVM kind of infrastructure requirements. And now, even though, you know, Solana crashed hard after FTX happened, they're still doing really well because they have all of the ecosystem pieces that they need to succeed. So when I look at someone like uh, Build On Build on Bob, uh, B-O-B, uh, that's a really interesting implementation as, as a layer on Bitcoin because it's an optimistic rollup on Ethereum, meaning it's EVM-based, currently leveraging the security of Ethereum, but they... They just announced this, I think, what did they call it? Omni- Optimine. Optimine, yep. Uh, I haven't done a deep dive there yet, but the idea is you can start to inherit uh, pieces of the security of Bitcoin in addition to the security of Ethereum. And they're also building lots of Bitcoin bridges, Bitcoin, uh, BRC20s, ordinals. And you have all of the tooling, the standards, the liquidity from Ethereum that can easily come over into your ecosystem. And so when I think about an EVM chain on Bitcoin, I don't view that as a negative. I view it as there there are a lot of strengths in leveraging the EVM, which is, you know, maybe the opposite of of your take. Um, But yeah. Uh, Two things, but first I want to make sure I get your take on tokens as a gas token versus native. What's your stance on that? Open or... Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about value accrual for layer twos. Um, one option is value accrues directly to the layer two token, and it doesn't accrue to the to the base base layer at all. Another 
um, competing hypothesis is that it doesn't accrue as much to the token, or maybe it's split, but value still accrues to the to, to the settlement layer. So, for for example, if you want to invest in Ethereum, do you invest in the layer twos? Do you invest in the layer twos with tokens? Do you invest in the layer twos without tokens, or do you just buy and stack ETH? Um, and that's a really interesting question, and I don't think we know the answer. And I think it's similar on Bitcoin. Do you invest in just do you just stack sats, uh, you know, because layer twos will just, uh, you know, accrue value to the base settlement layer? Or should you buy some Bitcoin and have some allocation in layer two tokens? Or should you just try to, you know, capitalize on the layer twos that don't have a native token and leverage Bitcoin natively as a gas fee and governance token and things like that? I don't think we know the answer here. Uh, I mean, we, we can speculate, but I don't know what that speculation is based on. Um, I think it's an interesting idea right now. Yep. Yeah. I, th I think on the token side, I'm, I'm, I'm also, I'm probably like with Charlie, I'm neutral-ish. I'm open to doing it. I'm definitely like as an investor skeptical when they come in token first, tech second. I'm like, come on, bro, build, build something. Let me get closer to a test net, then launch that token and we can talk. Uh, there you go using logic. And logic never gets us anywhere with regard to marketing. And the DJs don't care at all. Like you can that's what I'm saying. Up to you know, a million dollars, no problem. Every time I say, so, "Why is there a token?" Everybody goes, oh, "It doesn't matter. There is one." So we're gonna like, let's go play with it. You know. Well, so and that's, and that's probably the biggest value add to a token. And you've seen this with stacks, which is that it allows you to bootstrap way better than being native token because you have to find, you have to fundraise at the application layer. Uh, startup by startup by startup, you can't have a foundation. Like no one's gonna give a hundred million dollars to this foundation to like bootstrap that. But the token comes as like a crowd fund and to investors, and you could then distribute from that token, um, and that allows you to gravitate developers and focus on this layer that you can't. It, it just limps along um, otherwise. So I definitely see the value in that. Bitcoiners kind of hate that topic, yeah. but it's just kind of a reality. So it's like it's hard to do it apples to apples because when the token's involved, like there's more money to throw at developers to get them to like focus on your chain versus going somewhere else that's not going to give them as much money. Like it's just just the nature of it. Yeah, I I would say tokens aren't bad in and of themselves, but the way people deploy and use tokens is often bad. Um, yep. And I think that the closer a token becomes to like true ownership the better the token is. If you have governance rights and you have governance rights over the treasury and you can control the deployment of the app and you can control other things in the community, like the more the token resembles ownership of the protocol or the application, the better. And the more it's just a marketing hypey cash grab, the, the worse it is, I think. I came up with a really fun hypothesis during the course of talking about DAOs. You remember when everybody was in a DAO? It was like a DAO, it was DAO for this. You have a dog, you're in dog DAO, and you have like a this, you're in that DAO. A constitution so, DAO. Yeah, every day, everything was a DAO. And there were still some DAOs left over, but I was we were talking about like, does this need to be a DAO? What pro are, we, are we assigning problems to DAOs or are we assigning DAOs to problems? Like, which way are we supposed to be doing this? And like, <laughs> does a pre-existing governance structure warrant a DAO or do you make a DAO and then find a governance? Like, what are we doing? Yep. And uh, yep. I came up with the idea that's like very high level theory that the global economy just already is a DAO and the US dollar is its governance token. Because if you like, if you say Donnie's a member of global economy DAO, 
Donnie goes to work and contributes to Dow and is paid in Dow token and then uses his token to buy Pepsi and Pepsi <laughs> then votes for, you know, officials or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's all kind of the same process. We're calling it something different on a blockchain and just using it for everything. How many individual governance tokens do we actually need to govern what systems? What systems, I think, is the question that I always have. If you have a nine-seat board of directors and a 5,000-member organization, maybe a governance token makes sense to help facilitate the interactions of like the CEO, the executive director, the nine board members, and the 5,000 uh, shareholders, if you will, you know, like the people who are a part of that group or pay to be in the group or whatever, and however they pay. But if you're just like a group of people who are trying to start a business or something, and you don't have a C-suite or a board or members or shareholders of any kind, does a DAO even need to exist? And then does a token need to exist? That's always, that's always my question. And the answer is usually no, the token doesn't need to exist unless you want to have fun and turn it into a casino, which is, is a surefire way to get people to participate. Yep. You're asking you're asking good questions. I mean, I, I think it's funny during the DAO phase where you had like, DAOs spinning up and everyone's like, we're decentralized, so we have a flat structure. And then you go in the DAO and it's like the Spider-Man meme, where it's like, who's the boss? Are you the boss? It can't are be. You the boss? It like, can, the boss? Nothing can are we all, are we nothing. all the boss? All it the can boss. turn into a distribution, but it has to start from something and somewhere. And like a thing has to exist for the structure to even evolve, you know? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm agnostic. I love the the kind of the the early stage early years of bitcoin like there wasn't this puritanism over tokens um i still remain kind of agnostic because they they do they are a powerful tool in incentive systems and i just don't know i just don't know how they fit in i like my 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 current view is i probably don't really think token like tokenizing everything is the future but i'm not opposed to it i kind of like let's let's see why not like I don't know. We'll see. I can, uh, we have a decade worth of, uh, experimentation and throwing shit at the wall before I'll probably come down hard on like one side of the fence or the other. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it is always funny how it's like people are so libertarian or free market until you get into anything besides Bitcoin and they're like very authoritarian and it's like, that's bad. That's ah. bad. Let me tell you, let me tell you how to live your life. So the dissonance there. Uh, you know, go to therapy, talk to your friends, touch some grass. It's going to help you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's switch to the last topic of the day. Let's talk about cats, either the mint or opcat. I've, I will be honest. I've followed none of this besides that. I know that opcat stands for concatenate and I know the mint has not gone well. And besides that, I'm completely in like the dark. So you guys can guide. I, I want to learn. I'm game on what you. What's, what's been going on? Because uh, I've been busy doing five things poorly and not one thing good. I don't know where do we start. <laughs> Let's see. What, what are what are the lyrics to that song? Opcat is an opcode originally in Bitcoin used to concatenate, which is a fancy word for join. <laughs> uh, that's, all you, that's all you need to know. Really Satoshi... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I've learned, about, I've learned more about Bitcoin script than I've ever done before. Um, I think it's fascinating. What's funny is I probably come down on the uh, if we had to vote, I'd probably lean fifty-one percent against doing opcat. There's much more obvious opcodes, I think, to to put in there. Um, OpCTV is kind of an op, an obvious one to me, um, with less. Less support, though, from the broader Bitcoin community. So, 
it I goes become, yeah i think this becomes a question of like well so where do where which way western man or community andrew polster was on vlad's podcast this morning talking about opcat andrew polster you know one of the gods of bitcoin engineering uh and he's quite supportive of opcat in fact he's he was like very early on the mailing list when the when the when um armin and the other guy proposed uh last october and he was like opcat sounds like a reasonable thing i like this idea so um i don't know i think it's in i just love that we're entering a new era of consensus discovery like what are the rules there are no rules yep yep you can make that plan cool. it doesn't have to be the best solution for a specific purpose for it to be cool look at brc20s we don't need that to be in the order envelope right like it doesn't have to be where it is it doesn't have to be how it is there's an easier better way to do it i'm sure <clears throat> but here we are with the dominant structure being one of the least efficient solutions that we've come up with so like if opcat enables more things <clears throat> more possibilities than many would prefer i think the main argument i would have back to that is that it probably enables if it enables more exploits it probably enables more security features at the same time just like when when the enemy gets a gun the good guy gets a gun because the gun was invented so now everybody has guns um and that may be a juvenile way to look at this i'm not in, in favor of or against it i think that the quantum cats push from the tap wizards put a lot of people in the books it made people read about it even if they were just grinding for whitelist like they were forced to learn something about it if you copied something from gpt you were disqualified from it so people had to really like rewrite something that they had never thought of or knew existed in their own words and then post it publicly and have like a cat. It's just like raised a lot of questions and awareness, even if it doesn't make OpCat be adopted. Um, it doesn't really matter because now the conversation has started and people are aware that it exists. I think that's cool. I think it's a cool development. And as far as the mint goes, <clears throat> there were tons of people trying to mint a thing. They tried to make a system nobody could front run. Um, it got hammered and some people did get money through. Some people got money through that they shouldn't have gotten through. But what good thing starts with an easy mint? Zero good things. Everything that we talk about on a regular basis, everything anyone has ever PFP'd meaningfully over the course of years started with a disaster. So I think, you know, even if it's just about that, it's bullish. I mean, I will, I will, I really can't or won't talk too much about this, but we're helping, uh, do this right now so that's all i'll say we have an official statement joint with tavern wizards uh on the complexities of running a mint so uh hey. i would i would love to i would i look forward to it going smoothly did i say too much when you say you're working with them do you mean you and your job or you like as a Luxor. person who's Luxor. Luxor. okay yeah. Luxor. Luxor. got it yeah, yeah. i was like did i just yeah. say something i wasn't supposed to say just because uh, i'm like one of the no, captains <laughs> No, you're good. Yeah, Luxor, the company, is working with Taffer Wizards on this project. Jake, if you haven't seen the uh, Opcat song that the Song of Day for 16 Years guy made, that is, I don't know, that is the pinnacle of greatness in my book. Uh, <laughs> I've heard it. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give it that high praise. It's pretty damn good, though. I will say, oh, Eric Wall is hyping the shit out of it, though. Like this is his victim now. The reason why it's so good is it encapsulates the entire discussion on Opcat into two verses, a bridge and a chorus. 
um, very simple. Anyone can understand like everything you need to know is kind of just included in the song. And so it was technically accurate, uh, a relevant kind of, you know, it, it, it had the tech side musically. I mean, it's kind of catchy and interesting. Uh, he's saying the entire code change, you know, the 10 lines that you're going to yeah. change for Opcat as the bridge. Uh, so in terms of like a musical creation that actually educates appropriately about Opcat and is interesting is kind of my, my criteria for amazing. So that's, that's why I got high marks uh, from, from my side. You didn't yeah, get did. anyone like no one else did that good of a job on melding the, the memory and the accuracy on the technical side into something that was fairly enjoyable to experience. So there was a lot of entertainment, but not a lot of that was matched equally with technological or, you know, yes. explanatory know-how. Yep. Yeah. No, well said. Cause I remember like when the wizard shower thing was going on, like there was, they got so many videos. Everyone's doing all kinds of crazy shit. And like one of the ones that stuck in my mind was someone took like a top down Mustang or something through a car wash yeah. And just got completely destroyed. Like that thing is that thing is for sure ruined. But they're in wizard costumes. You're like, Can I please have a wizard. I'm like, looking back on that, I want to talk to him. Like, I maybe got to interview him because, like, <laughs> was it worth it, man? Was it? And it wasn't. You go. He does it for the wow factor. It was interesting at the time, but like, yeah, a song that's technically sound that like understands the culture, respect. Like that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will say um, on this topic. The yeah, seeing so many people learn about an opcode like this is so niche Bitcoin script. It's in the. It's also why I'm probably bullish on when Taproot Wizards decides to launch their rollup, because the thing they understand is distribution and go to market, which is like what most startup founders don't optimize enough for. They build the tech, they build the product so it works, and then they're like the users will come, and the users are like oft you know, making opcat videos because they. You know, on Twitter, and so uh, their ability to when the time has come to like get users to that EVM probably going to be or that that roll up probably going to be be big because they can mobilize a bunch of people who you wouldn't expect to be talking about highly technical things to like sit down, read through the docs, like understand what this means, and then yep. jump on Twitter Spaces like like Donnie and Witters and all these things. Like that's. It's it's a complete change of what consensus has been in the past, and so I, I laugh when I see OGs like that's not what consensus looks like, and it's like, what the fuck you mean? It's it's what we decided it is. We yeah, the that's the this definition. Is the big, this is not the, the definition Bitcoin, of consensus. Know. This is when yeah, people I, decide something should be the thing it should be because they've decided it should be that. Yeah, I think Quantum Cats was a masterclass in direct to consumer marketing in Web three. You can't get better than. Uh, a good cause, you know, mobilizing people around the good cause, technically accurate, um, you know, pushing, pushing for something that's going to make the world a better place and then incorporating tokens in a way that is like substantive and meaningful. Uh, you know, we have thousands of examples of tokens just for tokens or tokens for this game I'm going to do or tokens for whatever. But this was like, we have a cause, we have a movement, we're creating a community we want you to educate the world, you know? And so, uh, you know, maybe I'm just fanboying too much uh, on Udi and Eric, but uh, yeah, really, really, it, to me at least, perfect example 
of how to leverage, in this case, you know, ordinals to accomplish something that's bigger, bigger than just yourself. I'll I'll echo all of that. I mean, uh, one of the things that I you know, be, I appreciate people who, who try to ascribe certain utility to NFTs or try to figure out how they plug into like a social network or ecosystem. But um, what I've always thought is it's just a very, it is the new social coordination mechanism for the digital age in these decentralized future. And so what is the ultimate coordination is in coordinating consensus for distributed networks. And that is like, to me, this is one of the first, I would say in my career, me seeing a PFP NFT collection, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This is why, they, you know, got to hand to the Zephyr Wizards for really taking kind of the ethos of what a co community is. Yep. We, yep. We, we champion this term community, community, and th that's great. But like, this is a very tangible definition and example of like, um, here's how you leverage a community. And so I, I love that. It's really fascinating. Uh, this it, what's what's interesting is like the cat is out of the bag. There will be more <laughs> of these. This is now a clear Good way one. to demonstrate how to uh, derive and and prove and uh, move forward consensus. Yeah, whether or not whether or not cat up cat ever becomes a thing, it's like this this put it on the map. So we're going to see more novel attempts at this kind of like consensus building. Yep. Yep, totally agree. Uh, it's not a good place to call it. I mean, we covered so much. Should we? Should we just end this right now? Yeah, let's call it. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Let's get the fire.